Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy, Buzz. I'm joined by my dude, NWI, Steve, and we are here to recap the doubleheader today. White Sox doubleheader here on Memorial Day. Sox take the first game 8-6. to six. They drop the second game 3-1. to one. Before we get into this, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at ontapsportsnet. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review, because that's cool and tough. Also, check out Grandstand. Any White Sox gear you need, check out Grandstand. You can follow them on socials at Grandstand Socks, or you can uh, go right by the ballpark and check them out. So Grandstand Socks, check out GrandstandSocks.com. Anything you need, Chicago sports apparel-wise, check them out. Steve, doubleheader, man. We split it. How you feeling? Hey, yo, Buzz. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Oh, I'm good, man. I'm um, cracking them well, right now. Well, you know, got, 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 a, got a split. That's, you know, as uh, Coach Ruzic used to say, it's also bourbon. Splitting is like kissing your sister. Jesus. Oh, that got deep right away. All right. Oh, well, yeah, which is not yeah. – I, yeah, I put out a tweet that negated that. Because I was like, oh, it's okay that we tweeted, but when you put it like that, it's not all right. <laughs> it's not all right. Um, what's up, Sockside Mike? Hello. What's going on, Panthera? I think that's Justin. That's Justin. Anyway, yeah, what's going on, brothers? So, yeah, um, you know, Steve, first game. Uh, let's just start off with this real quick because were you surprised? Uh, I mean, we knew Rodon was going to have have troubles here and there. We knew it was going to happen, Steve. But uh, how it kind of happened was crazy. The White Sox go three and out in the top of the first in the first game. Bottom of the first, Hernandez and Rosario both homer to left field. What was off of Rodon, who's been like the, you know, the man. He's been the real deal Holyfield all year. It scared me a little bit, Steve. Now, I don't know about you, though. Well, I think the Indians just had a little bit of a different game plan. I mean, this is the third time they've seen Carlos Rodon here this season. And early on, uh, through the first couple of innings, it was very obvious that their plan was to try to attack him early in the at-bats. Uh, we saw Hernandez do that on the first pitch of the game. Rosario did it on the second pitch of his at-bat. So three pitches in, they had a 2 nothing lead. And that was something that kind of continued throughout the rest of that inning and a little bit into the second inning, going out there and, like I said, trying to jump Carlos early on in the plate appearances, not letting the accounts get too deep. And it, it was an interesting approach and something that we haven't really seen a lot of other teams do against him to the early in here and you know, all things considered I mean Carlos just really didn't have uh, great stuff today here you know Stone was commenting on it and, and part of the issue here was he just simply didn't feel he essentially was a two-pitch pitcher today with the fastball and the slider 
a couple of instances of, you know, fastballs just kind of getting away from him from a command level standpoint. But, you know, when he didn't have that change to kind of mix in there as a third off to keep hitters off balance a little bit with his two primary offerings, that that can certainly make your day a little bit more challenging as a, as a pitcher there. And the Indians were able to kind of tee off on that. And when he was trying to offer that change up, that's when they were really doing some damage to him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that was really great analysis actually right there. Fantastic. Always Steve. Um, so yeah, my initial reaction to Rodon getting lit up in the, in the first there, or not, I don't want to say lit up. It was only two runs, but you know, two, two long balls back to back. Right. I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, I rushed home six hours to watch this doubleheader, I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't have this be a bad day for baseball. I'm like, you know, please, I just I want to have a good day of baseball. Uh, we were up in Lake Tomahawk, Manaqua area, um, you know, celebrating Memorial Day weekend. Thank you to everybody that is serving now or uh, has served in the past. Thank you very much from here uh, and on tap. But we were celebrating the weekend there, went to the zoo, did some cool things, flew home. Rodon lets up two dingers in the first game shit but it's no fear though steve no fear because the white Sox come out in the top of the second and they make it happen abreu grounds out right away mercedes walks eaton doubles to right mercedes to third garcia reaches on an infield single and then zach collins doubles to right really squared up on that ball there got got it through and i liked to see that out of zach collins um our boy Nick Madrigal, and then he'll make the score 3-2 because that actually scores everybody on base. Uh, Madrigal grounds out to second. T.A. walks. Collins scored after Anderson is picked off. Now, a lot of people had different opinions on this. I want to touch on this right away and get your thoughts on it because I was like, oh, shit, they got him in a rundown. So immediately for me, I'm like, Collins, go. So, like, you can cross that plate, get that run, and then, you know, Tim's fast enough to elude them for a minute. That's what happened. Heads up baseball play or bonehead play. I think it was a combination of the two. Um, <laughs> you know, Tristan McKenzie was trying to keep Tim close and he was throwing over there with consistency. And obviously we have the benefit of being able to see the catcher, being able to see the signals and, and they were clearly going to go over to first base to try to keep Tim close and try to catch him guessing first move um, and trying to pick him off to put, put the inning away here. So, it was a bonehead move in in a sense that he did get deked, you know, kind of first move there. But then he did have the wherewithal once he was inside the rundown to stretch that thing out enough so that Zach Collins could score on that on that play. Um, and you could see him; he was waving Collins home the whole time. He's like, "Go, go, go, get get there," you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in this thing long enough for you to score. So that certainly was uh, pretty helpful from that standpoint. Um, one other thing that I think we need to talk touch on there with the Zach Collins double, a key play in that particular scenario was the error by Cesar Hernandez at second base right there that allowed Leary to score. Uh, he simply dropped the relay throw and he took his sweet ass time going to pick the ball up and Leary had the wherewithal to realize he wasn't making a move on the ball. So he broke to the plate and scored that third run. That run proved to be pretty crucial there in, in that spot so obviously getting four runs in that inning there when you may have only gotten two uh that's that's a pretty big deal right there so we saw some some interesting base running some good base running in a couple of instances and then you know one kind of boneheaded play but tim was able to redeem himself a little bit by stretching out the rundown long enough for collins to score right so the scoring kind of goes a little silent there after that steve because that was uh, what we just talked about was the top of the second so a lot of scoring done there in the first uh, uh two innings there so after that 
we go to the bottom of the third. It got quiet for the Indians and the Sox for the bottom of the second, top of the third. But we go bottom of the third. Hernandez, he homers again to left, 396 feet. Makes the score four to three. Top four, nothing for the Sox. Going into the bottom of the fourth, the Indians end up tying the game. Chang doubled the deep right. That scored Naylor. We go to the top of the fifth, nothing. Bottom of the fifth, nothing. Top of the sixth. That's when the Sox get back and make the score five to four. Mercedes grounds into a fielder's choice to second. Mankata scored on an error. Abreu safe at second after a throwing error by Hernandez. So Sox go right back up. You see anything on that uh, play? This it was such a busy game for a seven inning. I know it ended up going eight, but such a busy game for a seven inning game. Like sometimes when we do these, Steve, I'm like, man, nothing really happened in like a nine inning game today. I just felt like there was so much. There, there was a lot in a very condensed time frame here. The one thing that really caught my attention in the fifth inning when the Sox added that fifth run here to, to retake the lead, and this is something that Stone uh, touched on, was the fact that Jose Bray was running on the pitch um, when Jose, or excuse me, when uh, Yermi Mercedes was at the plate. And the fact that he was running on the plate prevented the double play from happening as, as Hernandez throw actually hit Abreu in the helmet on that. And we all know I I've taken Tony LaRusso to task in a number of instances for some of his tactical decisions here in the early going of the 2021 season. That was a, a very smart decision on his part, putting Jose Abreu in motion on that particular spot to try to stay out of that double play. And that directly led to a run. So you got to give LaRusso credit for that when he made it a, a quality decision like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Um, man, this beer is really good. It's that represent beer I have again. So damn good. Good sour ale. Check that out, everybody, if you want a, a good sour ale. Represent. It's called Nate Diaz put it out, UFC fighter. Anyway, yeah, so um, that was interesting to me because didn't Abreu, like, I, I at that point in time we were doing a little bit unpacking. I saw the play, but did they talk about he got smacked in the mouth with the glove, didn't he? Pretty good. Like, he did. He, yeah. Yeah. So he, he kind of got a double whammy on that play. He took the ball on the side of the helmet. And then he definitely did get a face full of glove there as uh, Rosario, you know, was trying, you know, you know, thought he was going to be in a position to make a play there at, at second base. And obviously when a Brady was sliding in, he just got a face full of glove there. So he really caught it from both ends on that one. Right. Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. So then after that, again, it's, you know, Sox take a five, four lead on that. Eaton ends up striking out. Collins ends up striking out. That'll end the, the inning. Zimmer reaches on an infield single to shortstop. And now this is after Naylor had singled to left center. Um, and R Riviera had singled to left. So we had Naylor on third already. Zimmer reaches on an infield single to shortstop. Naylor scored. Riviera to second. That'll tie the game up 5-5. Five, five. Now that was a little broken bat thing that Tim Anderson just, I don't know if he didn't get to the ball in time or if he was lazy about it depending on what twitter account i know you don't know what that is it's twatter or twatter.com um <laughs> but they, there are the, a lot of the people one, no go the ahead one go thing ahead. i wish that the, the one thing on that play in particular that i wish we had is i wish we had you know the Sox camera crew actually there in cleveland to see because i was wondering did timmy have a play at second base on rivera 
So, you know, obviously, you know, Zimmer's a guy that runs pretty well, uh, left-handed hitter, big, long strider, so he can get down the line pretty quickly. Rivera, you got a 38-year-old backup catcher. Was there a play at second base? I, I don't know because we we couldn't see the defensive alignment. We couldn't see was Madrigal in a position to cover the bag. Could Timmy have just gone to the short route to second base there to get the force at second and the inning? That's something I, I would have loved to have had another camera angle there to see. Did Timmy make the right play going to first base? or not right I, I thought he was going to go to second <laughs> originally but i mean i don't know it's like i said it was a broken bat single so like it took him a minute to get there and obviously you know buddy was booking it down the line zimmer, zimmer was fast as fuck got down the line and you know they end up scoring i, I wish we could have saw that like you said in a, in a different light but unfortunately for us we didn't get to see it that way top of the seventh socks are quiet bottom of the seventh the um the Indians are quiet. Now, the top of the eighth, that's when it gets going here for the Sox. They put three runs up in the top of the eighth inning. Abreu hits a sacrifice fly, which will score Billy Hamilton after Billy Hamilton stole third base. Mercedes walks. Eaton. Homers to right center field. Um, you know, the, the Indians will come out in the bottom of the eighth, Steve, and they'll just they'll score a run, but it'll be eight to six. And, and that's all she wrote for this game. The Sox take it in eight innings. Um, you know, Cody Hoyer, he, he only let up a hit. Um, he did have a strikeout. Uh, Aaron Bummer scared a lot of people at first, but he calmed his little ass down and he, and he got us out of it. So that, that'll, uh, you know, that'll end the first game there. Um, Sox take it 8-6 to open up the series, four-game set against Cleveland. So I'll, I'll take that win for sure. Look, you know, for whatever the reason, um, this team for the last 10 years or so has really struggled playing in that ballpark. Crazy things happen. It's almost kind of taken the, the mantle from the old Metrodome up in Minnesota where it was like, if something could go wrong for the Sox, it would. And it seems like that's really happening in Cleveland at this point here. So anytime you can get out of there, like you said, with a win, you'll take it, obviously. And, you know, given the fact that this is the team that is in second place chasing you, um, you know, you you put another win in, in the left-hand column right there. That's going to help your chances here as we go forward here into June. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to move on into game two here. Um, and in game two, the Sox end up losing this three to one. But I do want to speak on something before we start kind of getting into the game itself is like people are really upset about Andrew Vaughn not playing. Now, if we go back into podcasts that we've had Steve together, and I think it was in the one that like you, Tony, and I were on. I want Vaughn to play as much as possible, but Vaughn hasn't missed a ton of time this year. And he's played like the last 11, 10, 11 games in a row. Maybe today was a full off day for him just to kind of chill. I, I just kind of want you to touch on this because a lot of people were upset about it. Like would I like, like to see him in the lineup for game two, for sure I would, but maybe this is a full off day. Maybe he gets the full fucking day off because it's 14 innings. Well, in our case today, 15 innings of baseball because of the, uh, you know, the extra inning that we had to play there in game one, but I'm cool with it. Like I'm not questioning too much shit anymore. This team is 13 games above 500. I'm not going to, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done with the lineup shit. I'm done with all of that. If someone's going to have a fucking day off here and there, that's fine. But at the end of the day, Steve, Andrew Vaughn is the everyday left fielder and he has been consistently for a while. So if he gets a day off, I'm it's fine. Right. I mean, right. Um, you know, I hadn't. Re I'll say this: I hadn't really given that any thought. To, to be completely honest with you, but um, I, I think it is a little bit interesting to see that in 
both doubleheaders that we've seen in the last three days. Tim Anderson has gotten days off in at least one of the games. Um, and yet, for some reason, Andrew Vaughn doesn't play in either game. And to kind of compound things, kind of given some of the struggles that your mean Mercedes is having right now, it, it almost makes me feel like this might be a good opportunity for him to kind of get a blow and just kind of reset mentally there. So I, I'm not going to get too hung up on it, really, if, if I'm being completely honest with you. But it, I mean, that is a little bit interesting. And again, that's something that I hadn't even really thought about uh, taking a look at the lineup here for the two games. Yeah, dude. I mean, for me, I, I went back and I looked and a shout out Don Rossi on, on Twitter as well. Uh, dude has been uh, a really cool guy that I've known for a while on here. But Vaughn hasn't missed, missed much times, like one game, like the last 11 or some shit like that is, he, is what he put on there. So I just kind of thought of like a whole off day. Not seeing Tim play the second game, Steve, I I was like, wow. I was like, he's sitting again. I don't know if that's because of the struggles that Tim has had at the plate recently. I know he's starting to hit the ball a little bit again, but not what he was doing. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, or maybe it is general soreness. So I, I'm not 100% sure, my friend, but, you know, I'm just done. Bitching I served with a general soreness once. Did you really? Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, as the season has been going on, and just for us to bullshit not break down a game for a minute, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even questioning it anymore. You know I wasn't a huge guy that questioned it constantly, but there were, like, times where I fought for having Vaughn in the lineup or maybe, you know, batting Yoan Mankata second or third and not, you know, sixth or some fifth or some shit like that, just where his career numbers looked better. But I just – everybody gets so hung up on that, and then I just go and I look at the record, and I'm like, okay, I know it's early, but this is the first time, Steve, after May 31st since 2012 – I believe that the Sox are in fucking first place at this at this time. Okay, you are you are correct in that. Uh, I I remember that season very fondly. That team ripped out part of my soul that I have never gotten back. So I, I will unfortunately never forget that season. Well, you know, I mean, we're Chicago sports fans for the most part, brother. I mean, what the fuck do we think was going to happen? You know, <laughs> we're gluttons for punishment. Or you know, we do it to ourselves. You know. Um, but yeah, it's this, you know, like I said, I want to just talk to you about it and just see what your thoughts were about the lineup construction and stuff like that. I mean, people need to realize like this was a 31 game. If I'm not mistaken, Steve, it was what 31 games in like 31 days or some shit like that is what the Sox yeah. are doing because we had two double headers mixed in there. So the off days that were there don't really count because you still have two fucking games you have to play in a double header sense. Um, so like, you know, people are going to have to rest and shit like that. The next off day, isn't till next Monday, I think. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's just, and that's just off the top of my head. I would pull this and up don't and up. don't look at the forecast for Thursday and Friday. Uh, coming up here because we may have a little tap for this weekend. Oh, I got tickets for June fifth. Shout out to my boy Sockside Mike. Uh, he hooked me up with June fifth tickets. Um, but yeah, let's get into this game here. Let's get into this. So, uh, Sox lose this one, three, one. This is the second game of the double header. Um, Jimmy Lambert gets a start, Steve. Um, which is pretty cool because, you know, he's, uh, he, he's been talked about, you know, uh, throughout, if you follow future Sox or anything like that, or if you are into minor league baseball, you know, that Jimmy Lambert's been somewhat of a beast. He did, he did get hurt where he had to get surgery, but, um, you know, I digress. He, he's been somebody the Sox fans 
And even people within the organization, within the minor league development, have been excited about. Jimmy Lambert's got some good shit. His brother actually plays in Colorado. I don't know if he's still I'm pretty sure he still plays there. But, um, you know, this kid's got a ton of talent. He comes out and he has a – he had a couple good innings in a row there, Steve, before the, the wheels kind of fell off. So initial thoughts on Lambert coming out. I know he, he did some work for us last year, but nice to see him this year again. Yeah, it's good to see a guy come back after, you know, having his first cup of coffee in the big leagues last year, cut short after only two innings where he looked really solid, actually. And he looked pretty strong um, in the summer camp portion for the team as they were getting ready for the abbreviated season last year. And this is a guy that, like you mentioned, kind of got on the prospect radar, so to speak, in the second half of the 2018 season and then had to have uh, Tommy John surgery in 2019 that cut his his season short. So he's been a guy that has been unfortunately plagued by some elbow injuries over the last two years, but his stuff really did start to tick up a little bit during the 2018 season when he was in AA Birmingham. Um, so this is a guy that, you know, you kind of looked at as maybe a depth option should they need to utilize him. And then here, of course, today they did. Um, I thought overall, you know, the, the stuff was, the stuff was pretty solid. You know, we was really featuring a changeup in the early innings of this game and was doing a nice job of keeping the hit Indians hitters off of balance, particularly utilizing that changeup there. And he's got, you know, a good 93, 94 mile an hour fastball there and was a little bit inconsistent with his breaking ball command here and wasn't really able to spot that for strikes effectively. So um, that, you know, didn't necessarily help his cause, but by and large, I mean, he did a pretty solid job for them, um, was able to give them enough outs here in an abbreviated game that allowed them to not have to burn through a bunch of the guys in the bullpen there. Cause the bullpen has been a little bit taxier given some of the double headers and that's, this extended string of games that they've had to play here as, as you mentioned earlier. Right. Right. I, I liked what I saw out of Lambert. I mean, his changeup had some nasty shit. Like it, it looked good. So I, I was, I was happy to see him. I unfortunately didn't work out. Um, we'll just get right into the scoring here, dude. Um, Zimbers Zimmer singles the center that scores Ramirez Bowers gets the third. That'll put the scores one, nothing. And that's at the bottom of the second bottom of the third for Cleveland, Jose Ramirez, he homers the right. I hate that motherfucker. Scores. I hate him too. I, he's a piece of shit. He's an, every, he's every an damn every damn time. Every damn time the Sox go there, he's always hitting a, a two or three run homer. I mean, remember this is the guy that hit the grand, the walk off grand slam last year off Jose Ruiz that ultimately turned out to cost the White Sox a division title. So yeah. you know this son of a bitch, you can't get him out of that Cleveland Indians uniform quick enough, as far as I'm concerned. I'm with you on that. The only Sox scoring play is Madrigal sing singling to right and Hamilton scoring. Billy Hamilton's just been on a fucking tear lately. Had two home runs this weekend over the holiday weekend. I uh, was at both so of them, baby. Oh, damn. You were at both of them? I, I never thought that I would live to see the day where I attended two games where Billy Hamilton hit home runs. Man, dude, I wish I could have fucking been there too, man. I – I just like I said, I was up. I was up in the cabin, so I, I missed a lot of shit. And they don't have internet up there, so I was like literally having to find. Like you have to walk around like old school style, bro, to like find a signal. And once I find that signal, he's a uh, my father in law has a um a smart TV, so I put the phone on um you know hot spot and I stream the games off of the hot spot, and it's just so choppy and terrible because the reception up there is so, so bad, but that I, I got to see the home runs from Billy Hamilton this weekend. So I, I'm pretty happy about that personally. Um, 
You know, another guy, because there's not much to break down in this game besides the White Sox going one for six with runners in scoring position. They left six on base total. Uh, we had one error that was by Madrigal, which is fucking asinine. I don't know if you want to touch on that. I really want to talk about it because it pissed me off. It's just a Nick Madrigal play where he's not taking his time and trying to do too much again. So I don't know if you got anything on that. No? All right, perfect. So anyway, after that, you know, Ryan Burr comes in. He looks real good. This looks absolutely fantastic. I liked what I saw out of him. Um, you know, and then we get Ruiz in. Burr actually goes an inning and a third, and he strikes out two on 15 pitches. I, I was pretty stoked about that. Um, Jose Ruiz just comes in and gives you Jose Ruiz shit. The, the scoring stopped in the third. So um, that that was all she wrote, man. You got anything else you want to you wanna put on this one? There wasn't really much to touch on there in game two. Like you said, I mean, the, the Sox had, I think, a, an opportunity in the sixth inning to get back into this game uh, when Yohan Moncada let off the inning with with a double against Phil Maton, a guy who's really kind of struggled for the Indians. And then Abreu Mercedes weren't able to capitalize on opportunities. Mercedes just had you know three or four pitches within that particular bat that he could have absolutely crushed. And it's just a function of a guy that is in a funk right now and he's getting pitches to hit and he's just missing them. And that's just, you know, that's basically sometimes yeah the only thing i want to bitch about real quick is yasmani grandal not swinging the bat i don't care like if i'm gonna get all the fucking grandal ites or whatever or the grandal maniacs coming at me because i'm saying i'm mad at him for not swinging the bat it's not that i don't think grandal is a good player is that he needs to swing the fucking bat when you have runners on base this patient shit is putting him into holes and he is not hitting his way out of it so Swing the bat at good pitches. That that's what I got. Especially when you're down and you have runners in scoring position. I don't. I would like for you to touch on that because I know you're a Grandal guy, but I am too. But like, holy shit, dude! Like, you can't walk every fucking single time. You need to add something else. You, I mean, it's got to be all mental with him right now. It has to be. I I don't necessarily know that that it is mental. Um, I. Th- <sighs> It, it's really odd. So, you know, when I was at the game yet, um, on Saturday, you know, the, the second game, and when he was hitting from the right side of the plate, I think he swung the bat more times in that game than he has any other game during the course of this season here. And it's something I'm going to kind of take a look at. And I'm really curious if he swung the bat more right-handed versus left-handed. And and so I'm going to kind of dig into what his swing rate looks like there because it just, to me, and, and this might just be purely anecdotal on my part, just from being at the, at the game on, on Saturday here, it feels like he does swing the bat a little bit more from the right side of the plate. Whereas when he comes up again against right-handed pitchers and he's hitting left-handed, it almost to me comes across like there are instances where he just feels like, okay, they're not going to throw me three strikes. So I'm just not even going to go out there and I'm not really going to even attempt to swing. And I'm very much a proponent of guys taking walks and, and getting on base, but he's also a guy that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. So I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, 10, 15 points on that on-base percentage if he's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark or, or hit some doubles there and be more of a run producer. Obviously, you would prefer guys to not make outs than, than to make outs. But again, this is a guy that has the ability to be a middle-of-the-order run producer and to drive the ball for extra bases, and they need him to be doing that with a little bit more regularity. And it's just there definitely are a lot of instances where he is far too passive and um, I, I feel like it's happening a little more frequently from the left side of the plate versus the right side. Yeah, I can't wait for you to actually break that down so I can fucking see it because I, I love when you do shit like that. So, 
Um, we'll move into tomorrow's game, Steve. Uh, it's going to be the Cleveland Indians once again against the White Sox. One of my favorites, 5.10 p.m. start time. Absolutely love it. I know a lot of people hate that, but I absolutely love it because I got to get up so early for work. So I get to finish that whole game and not feel like a damn zombie when I'm doing socks on tap. So super excited for that. It'll be Dylan Cease, 3-1 and one with a 2.98 ERA, 51 and a third innings pitched, 39 hits led up this year. He has struck out 66, walked 26, let up four long balls against one of the best pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, uh, Shane Bieber. Five and three, three point one three ERA, seventy two innings pitched, sixty hits let up, one hundred and ten strikeouts to twenty seven walks. He's let up nine long balls. That is the matchup tomorrow, Steve. Third time for the Sox seeing uh, Shane Bieber this season. So you know, obviously had the duel with Lucas Giolito earlier in the year where he went the nine shutout innings and just had that top notch level stuff right there that showed why he is a top five pitcher in the sport. The second time they saw him, he didn't have the sharp command of his secondary offerings for a good portion of the game. And the Sox actually had opportunities to kind of tack on some additional runs against him. Uh, They did score, I think it was three in that game. They had a chance to add on more. So it'll be interesting to see which uh, Shane Bieber kind of comes out there tomorrow and what his overall approach is going to be in terms of attacking the Sox hitters. We saw one particular instance, the nine inning complete game, or excuse me, the nine inning performance where he was very breaking ball heavy. Second time against the team, he was working in the fastball quite a bit more uh, versus the secondary offering. So how he goes about attacking the Sox offense will be interesting tomorrow to see. And from Dylan Cease's standpoint, again, I'm going to beat this dead horse. It all comes down to first pitch fastball command. Get ahead in counts and don't let fucking Jose Ramirez beat you. (laughs) Absolutely. You got to pick the click tomorrow, my man. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take uh, MVP because uh, I think Pito um, knows he he had an opportunity to get a couple of, of runs here in this game too today. And I think he's going to come out a little bit inspired. And he's actually done uh, decent against Shane Bieber, if I recall correctly. And he's a guy that, you know, historically hits top-notch pitching pretty well. He He's had a lot of home runs against guys that have been Cy Young Award winners throughout the course of his career, so I think he's going to come out pissed off tomorrow, and I think he's going to put one in the bleachers there in the first inning. That, that'd be good. I, I would I would definitely be very excited if uh, if Pito puts one in the fucking bleachers in the first inning. I, I would definitely be very happy about that because uh, starting off strong against Shane Bieber is something that is, you know, you really you really want to happen. Um, I'm, going, um, I'm going TA tomorrow, dude. I'm going TA and 23 at bats for TA. He's hitting 348 against Shane Bieber. So he's getting on base. He's making it happen. I'm taking TA tomorrow, especially because he got today off. Um, that's all I really have, man, for the episode. What do you, what do you got going? No, nah, man, I, th- I think we covered everything here. Look, um, you know, getting a split obviously isn't what you want, given the fact that I think the second game was winnable here. But look, you're still you're three and a half games up in the division. You got a chance to get another win tomorrow. It's going to be a tough test for you, but they're they're proving that these games against the Cleveland Indians are going to be tight. They're going to be tough, and and they're going to be ones that are going to want to make you kind of pull your hair out a little bit. But you got to go out there and you got to find a way. And and if you want to win games in late September and into October, if you fancy yourself a championship team, you got to beat guys like Shane Bieber if if you want to do that. So go out there tomorrow, find a way to do it. Let's go. 
Absolutely. Everybody, be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at ONTAPSportsnet at SoxOnTap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Also, check out Grandstand. Steve and I have some awesome friends over at Grandstand. They just released that Pinwheels collection that looks so fucking awesome. I got to get down there. Got to get down there and get the hat and get the shirt. Go check out Grandstand. Follow them at socials at Grandstand Socks or go to GrandstandSocks.com. We'll be back tomorrow in some variation. I don't know who the hell it's going to be, but out of out of the four of us, two of us will we'll be, be back here. tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be here. So be sure you're here tomorrow after the Sox beat the Cleveland Indians. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.